Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe. Um, this is a kind of off-the-cuff uh, special podcast, actually, and I'm with my good friend Paul Bowden, a.k.a. Mm. Betty, a.k.a. the guy that likes to hurt PCs by putting Terrigan on in the heat and covering their fans. How are you doing, Paul? No, I'm not doing too bad, man. The, the, peop- the listeners do not know that your name is actually Egg Muffin. Egg Muffin, yeah. This Egg- is... Egg muffin the keeping player. It away from them for 27 episodes or so, I've been able to keep it away. But yes, now they obviously know Egg people Muffin will know is my real name. The, the people will know that your name is Egg <laughs> the Player Muffin. Egg the Player Muffin. Oh dear. Oh man. So how are you oh. doing, sir? Are you enjoying this lovely weather? Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it's it? It's really hot and warm. Yeah, stuck inside, I'm sure. So that's even better. Oh, Talking yes. to me. Got to be the best thing in the world, eh? Uh, don't worry, it's clouds out there, so, you know, it's safe. <laughs> Maybe it's not raining. Oh, dear. So, yeah, for, for the listeners, uh, so, yeah, this is kind of like a special episode where I just, I was convincing uh, Paul to come on because uh, he's, he's, he's my main Linux man. He's the open source FOSS guy for me. And, um, yeah, I've learned a lot from him through the years and stuff. Like, he was the one who introduced me really to Linux and kind of that Unix world. And I thought, hey, better to come on and actually talk about that stuff than the man himself. So, yeah. Where was, where was, where was, I'll back you on that one where, you know, I've introduced you into Linux. You've got me into web dev and PHP. You know. Well, so. thank you very much, sir. Yes, uh, that is what we do. We uh, back and forth like tennis. No idea where I'm going with that. So, my first question to you, good old Paul Betty, is how did you get into computers? Um, well, I first got my I first got a PC. Was it back in '97, '98? Was it? I can't even remember the specifications of it. It was a Cyrix One Six Six processor. Obviously, it's a beastly machine, you know. It had a 52-speed CD-ROM drive. Living the dream? Living the dream, man. Oh, don't worry. You also got yourself 60, uh, 64 megabytes of RAM. Uh, a gigabyte hard drive, mate. A whole gig. A whole, a whole gig. gig. God, how could you fill that up? I mean, that's uh, just insane. I know, that, man. That was insane. Back when I was on Windows 95, it was hardware. It was, it was I can't go to lie to you. <laughs> it's trying to fill that up. But, you know, a couple of installs of Flight Simulator and stuff like that, and, you know... No, sure. no, no, not even not even Flight Simulator, Simulator 98 broke into it too well. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, and now look what we're doing, you know, because obviously now you have your... How is your massive raid doing? Your uh, for, well, apart from getting, waiting for Western Digital to send my... Um, what was it? I, they're ever going to send me... Re, hopefully send me a new drive, because if I need them, less than a month... Uh, but yeah, I'm just waiting for them to send it back. Then I can have my degraded RAID array back in action again. Yes, first computer then was this beautiful 95 machine, and so there was no touching of Linux back then. It was straight up. I'm oh no, no, guy. no! Linux, Linux came in about ten years later. This was literally my first. Well, it's a computer. What do I do with it? Yep, exactly. It's like notepad. I've got paint. Oh, I had, was it a 14-inch monitor, which had a built-in microphone as well? To be fair, it was colour, so you're living the dream. And it, it had was. a built-in microphone, wow. Uh, do you know what the resolution was? Go on. 1024 by 760. Really? Actually, that's really good for that. Like 640, you know, 480 or something would be like, I was thinking. Do you, oh, want, do you know what made it worse? Uh, Windows 95 didn't detect the settings properly, so I could crank it up to somewhere like 2560. How so well did that cope with it? Um, I, I did it a couple of times actually. I did it 
uh, basically I put it all the way up to the top. The screen got um, what what display on the screen was really small. Then poof, <laughs> smell of burning smoke. That was I think that was yeah. I did spend most of the time tinkering because I didn't have a lot of software on it. That's for sure. Yeah, so ten years later then would be the time that you actually so about oh seven you'd get into your Linux world. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what uh, what drove you to that then? Was it? I used to I used to get computer magazines back in the day, and there was a, it, there was a little section which had well, like Linux magazines. Came with uh, they came with um, came with a disc with distros and everything like that. This was well, about two thousand four, two thousand five. So you know. It was a. Uh, I installed these distros. It was just like uh, have a little bit of a play around. Didn't do, didn't think anything much of it until I well, got my own internet connection, started reading up on it, seeing how things happened. It's just like then it's just I just installed it and went on from there really. Well, do you remember what distro it was? Mandrake Linux. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, before, it was before the before the name changed to Mandriva and whatever <laughs> it is now. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, so so what? The, so when you actually installed it and everything, what was this like? A revolution? You were like, this is you know the way I want to spend my life. Why would I want to be on a Windows box anymore? Well, don't forget, this was back in two thousand four, two thousand five. This is when I was just like, have a play. Oh fine, I'll install Windows back on it again. Back into when into two thousand and eight, however, when I was at, when I had, like I say, this is back when I had my own internet connection. I had it going for a router rather than going through what is an ADSL modem, which Linux at the time didn't support. So, so for starters, I was able to update, update and install, um, update was it my package manager and install things, which was a bonus for you know. free as well. Which must have been the thing. It's like, oh my god, all this software for free, mm. and I don't have to legally download it. Yeah, the f- the, the first one was it. My first proper usage on it was Debian. I can't remember what other was. I think it was after Sarge. I think five was. I can't remember now what what number it was. So what 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 drove you to that? What drove you to Debian then? Just reading up, reading about it on the internet. Mind <laughs> you, mind you, I think it, I think it was also due down to the time. Was it a couple of years earlier? You also in, you you also introduced me to the world of Ubuntu. Yeah, Ubuntu was like, it was the thing, wasn't it? And it still is kind of the kind of de facto, if you want to show someone Linux. Uh, yeah, it's because you know, it's, it's like it the, the easiest, drug. it is the easiest one to use. And it's, yeah, it still Hands is, down. it was, yeah, absolutely. And I think they've they've really done a good job with that. And it's available, you know, I think you could actually get PCs with it already pre-installed, can't you, I think? is. Uh, uh, yeah, there's actually quite a few manufacturers. Even Dell's had a little link with that as well. See, that's pretty cool. That is very cool. And I think, actually, there's a couple of machines. I remember looking for, uh, when I was on that laptop hunt, like, there was a Dell machine that was, like, specifically for Linux. Well, Linux development is their kind of tagline, but really what it was was the fact that all the drivers and stuff, obviously, were supported by Linux and Unix systems, so you could actually... Because that's, obviously, the problem with Linux, and I'm sure you had in your time, as you were talking about, actually, with your modem, is that stuff sometimes doesn't isn't supported uh graphics cards in particular is one of the ones let's just say it's not as bad as what it used to be absolutely well when we we started off it was awful um yes you know and we would just be lucky to have oh look i've got sound after spending hours trying to find like the tweak to get it to work on my you know inbuilt audio on the motherboard so oh yeah and plus also and plus also with what is it with the ac97 codec it's sort of made well when you have your, when you had the volume quite high, you could you could hear a lot of distortion and so it's just like, Ugh, it's like oh dear, it, it kind of makes experience, and it, that is the trouble. I think 
of hackers my, and people who are proper geeks like us, you know, we were like, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, we'll work around it and we spend hours, uh, you know. I actually I, remember, like, setting up desktops with your ass lot and then, you know, screenshot them, put them on Divide Art, and, you know. Oh, God. Back in the day. Deviant Art, darling. Deviant Art. sorry. Divide how, could you not, how could you not pronounce that one properly? Know, you know, just, Do you know what makes it even worse? I think I've still got some of my old screenshots. Have you really? As well. Oh, we're going to have to put those in the show notes. If you send them over, I'll put them in the show notes. Oh, um, no worries. God, I don't think I've got any of mine left. Um, oh, what is it? Oh, it goes back to 2006, mate. Oh, no, 2005. This is the thing with your rage. You just have everything. You know, you have your whole life is still available in these hard drives. So, yeah, so Linux. I think I think the word Linux, uh, it's a funny one because I think people get it very confused. Uh, I did. Um, it's only a couple of years ago till I actually got the true meaning of, you know, because some people say Linux and then you've got your diehards who actually say GNU Linux. Mm-hmm. GNU, you know, or Nix-like systems or Unix-like systems, derivatives, you know, Mac OS X is a Unix-type system, you know, and stuff. And I suppose first question I was asked is, what is Unix? What is Unix? Well, that means going back to the 1970s, doesn't it, really? If you, if it you want to get the whole history. Bell Labs. Put it simply, it's a discography system. That's it. It was, And it was a very good one, wasn't it? It was like, I mean, Ken Thompson and Dennis Ritchie, uh, the guys you may definitely know these people, were the ones who actually made the C programming language. And kind of, I, I remember listening, or not listening, watching a like Unix, like I think it was an AT&T, they put all their old, old promotion stuff online and... I'll put it in the show notes and it was quite funny because it was uh, like them talking about Unix and you're just like, we still use it in this way today. And the mm. way that it was, you know, the idea, your Unix philosophy, you know, that you had a simple set of tools that each performed, a, you know, a limited, well-defined function. Like oh, function yeah. program, and, and But to, together, you can combine them together to make scripts and stuff that were able then to make these complex, awesome, powerful workflows and I think that kind of won out and its simplicity was almost its strength and it's, you know, because it allowed to build these complex systems and um, and yeah, so it's multitasking and stuff like that and it was an operating system built by AT&T Bell Labs and I think a lot of, they, they kind of licensed it out I think, they, 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 they licensed it out quite cheaply I think at first, or I could be completely wrong there. but They, they used to, yeah, until... Well, until the situation got mucky with uh, what is it, cause it with um, BSD. So to put it in long story short, there was a lot of problems there. Um, <laughs> yep, and, but, but people loved it, and and the the actual the actual kind of general goal of the Unix system uh, operating system was amazing. Um, I still love to this day the fact that it's a unified file system. You know, the fact that you mount drives as if they're file directories and stuff like that. So all the again, all these me- all these functions and all these kind of actions you have are able to easily be able to be used in all these different kinds of uh, environments and kind of settings and stuff yeah and all, and all you need to if, if you're going to be mounting something exotic like for instance butterfs even ntfs on linux you know all you need to do is just uh, go to your software repository download uh, download the add-on it might it get, it'll either get um, compiled in user space or compiled in the kernel and they're sorted and um so yeah so so without that that was great and people were using it and our friend richard stallman who will make a big part in this uh you know this podcast um he was using it and he loved it um obviously the problems happened and one of the things about this system is it wasn't free free as in beer it wasn't free as in you could just use look at the source code and everything it was licensed out yeah what it basically what it basically did was reverse engineered and saw um, and saw how all the core utils that's it worked and then well, I think it's him and the quite, um, 
I think it was just him actually. It was him at first. I think he he was. A, yeah. I think he was a scientist, wasn't he? And he, yeah. Uh, and he was like, I love this system. I want to make a free version of this. And he promoted. Like he was uh, so GNU. He originally, did, he originally did that for his Mac. He originally did that for his Mac kernel. That he did he really? Oh, yeah. Dear. So he, and his his aim was to look. I love this system. I want to make a free version that's pretty much. And this is where you get the Unix like derived systems. Is really the fact yeah. that they act like the original Unix. Um, you know that that Ken Thompson and Dennis Ritchie made. And but obviously with licensing that allows you then to use them however you want. Yeah, I think, the, I, the, think the I think I think. I'm obviously not using the original equipment myself. There might be some uh, a few differences as well, but that that, that but on a hold, it's kind of very similar and in the right oh, yeah. kind of direction. So yeah, so he, he went about, and I think it took him a fair few years. Uh, and he was he's done. Yeah. He was able to do you know one of the big ones was the C compiler, uh, Core Utils, and that gave you all your functions like your methods like ls, move, cat, and stuff. Your your GNU debugger and even your Bash shell. Um, and so these were all the because because building up our operating system is a very 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 hard thing to do um and there's a lot of components to it so he was about setting about doing all these parts and so these were the parts quite high level you know with the core utils and everything that you're able to use these things and compile it's about to compile software obviously using the c language that dennis ritchie made and uh, ken thompson made but one part though uh, this is where GNU, so you think GNU, and he had this whole idea that yes, he was going to make it, you know, so he was building this and eventually he had come to a kernel. Now, a kernel is the final part of the puzzle and the kernel was, is the, the idea, the way I get a kernel, you could tell me if I'm wrong, is essentially what kernel does is it connects the application software to the hardware of the That's computer. That's pretty much how it works, yeah. And, and it's, it's a very complex part, but it's a very vital part because obviously if your application software doesn't have a clue what's going on hardware, vice versa, it, they're pointless. Um, now, he had a quite ambitious goal with his kernel that he wanted to make. Um, I think it was called Herd, wasn't it, that he wanted to make his one? And it is actually still being made, and it, is, it was being built and everything, but it was quite, the architecture was quite advanced. Yeah, it was complex. Um, it is um, it the the herd was the operating system. The kernel was called Mac. No, herd was the is it is the whole operating ah, system. Ah, cool. So he he wanted to make so it wasn't like he wanted to make distributions, and he just wanted a operating system like Unix that was called herd. Yeah, it just so happens Sweet. that. A certain Linux Travels. Yeah, Linus Talbot. So this this is where it comes in, where Linux comes into it. Because so he he was making. I think he was a student at the time, um, and he was very interested in kind of you know building up these systems and everything. And he built a kernel. Now the kernel was called Linux. Uh, Linus Talbot. I think it was 1991. And yeah. Yeah, because he because um, he, he he started learning about it of but because of the Minix distributions and um pay, and and work on that, the guy that built the the Minix operating system, if I remember his name, give me a sec. Oh, what was it, Andrew Tenenbaum? He basically did it so he so people can learn. Um, uh, how operating system works. So he, he opens all the software. Everything was available. It wasn't. Easy. It was in. Originally, his um, software wasn't open sourced. Do you know something? Wikipedia is a great friend at the moment. <laughs> right. I'm um, going to quote something. For, I'm going to quote something from Minix. Go for it. Minix was released in 1987, complete with its source code, made available for universities for study, for courses, and research. Ah, right. So that's why they. That's where they got their licensing. So their license was you could use it if you were. So it's originally commercial university. open source. Awesome. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, so uh, you know, Lin- like Linus Torvald, he really liked this. Um, he's from hey, Finland, Helsinki, Helsinki, which is in Finland, isn't it? I think. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I know my I geography. Be, you, I was going to say you did geography at school, didn't you, darling? <laughs> no, I did not. That well, works. I did, but I didn't do it well. Um, if did I? But uh, even I know it's in uh, Finland. Jeez. So, so yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he he, you know, he started building up this kernel and he released it, <laughs> and people were like, "Whoa!" And it was like, "This is way further along than you know, uh, good old Richard Stallman's one," and they were like, "Let's plug in, you know, let's let's." you know work around the c compiler and everything to this kernel and let's see what we can do and it wasn't and this was the i think the beauty of it was the fact that it wasn't ambitious it was a very much a simple monolithic you know similar to other kernels at the yeah, time origi- originally the kernel he, i think it, originally he wrote the kernel just he did, he did it as a, as a study for himself um, just to see, see how it see went and can, how it worked yeah see if he can do it and then people on the internet saw it obviously it over by bbs and stuff like that you got yourself the kernel, get yourself the core utils. That's it, exactly. You need and Richard Stallman opens the core, um, opens the GNU core utils as a free open, a free, free open source software. And well, that was starting the basis of well, oh, what we, we know as GNU really. Linux or Linux. Yeah, so that's yeah. it. I mean, so Linus, yeah, he had the kernel done, and awesome. We can now plug in, you know, through a little bit of you know work, but we can plug in the core utils, the compiler, the debugger, the bash shells, you know, Emacs yep. eventually. Yep, pretty much. Yep, and then that's great. And and now, obviously, it it got a lot of buzz because it was free, and it's awesome. And just think of this: the fact that this Unix-derived system, you know, this Unix-like system, is this open source. You know, everything's free for you to use and edit if you need to and want to. Um, you know, you've got the kernel now. You've got all the core utils, etc. Uh, yeah, we can get going. Um, obviously, there was a bit of controversy, and there still is uh, about the naming because so GNU Linux doesn't really roll off the tongue as just Linux or Windows and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Mac OS, you know, OS X and stuff. So, um, yeah, so the, the the actual reason why people will call it GNU Linux uh, is because actually technically that is what it is. You know, it's the GNU, you know, high-level compiler, core utils, etc. with yeah. the Linux kernel. Basically, the Linux part itself is just a kernel. That's it, exactly. The GNU part makes it run. Exactly. And, as, you know, a lot of... And that as, is, and, I, and I think I was looking a, a couple of weeks ago, like, at the percentage and stuff, and, like, the percentage of, like, there's a lot... There's not a lot more, but there's more of the GNU stuff in there than there actually is of the, uh, you know, Linux kernel, percentage-wise, within the system, which actually makes sense, obviously, because, you know, the stuff on top of it, you know... I mean, I know the kernel does a very important job, but it does one job, in a sense. Um, but, yeah, yeah. so... Uh, and, and I suppose that kind of, yeah, gets us into, you know, so Richard Stallman's done all this great job. Uh, we've got Linux. We've got this idea. Now, is there just one? Now, that that kind of is then when it gets confused. So, obviously, you know, we've got one. We all decide on one, like Windows. You've got one. Maybe you've got a different versions and stuff. You know, we've got a pro version. So, we've got Linux Pro, Linux Standard. No, obviously not. No, we don't do that. We have different distributions and that's how because it's free everyone gets a, a brilliant thing about open source and everything is everyone gets to fork it and do what they want with it yeah um, pretty much is a nice example of that well, you know Red Hat Enterprise Linux mm-hmm. where you have to put basically you have to pay you have to pay for to use uh, Enterprise Linux but with that you're getting to get yourself some top dog um, top dog support you just call them on the go. It's just like I've got a problem with this, la la la. But 
there was a free, there's a complete free fork of Red Hat Enterprise Linux, obviously without the Red Hat branding, which, by, which if I remember right, you all come, you you was running on your. I am indeed. Yes, CentOS. Yes. Yes. The uh, yeah, community enterprise operating system. Um, so yeah, this this is where the distributions come in. So you can kind of think of distributions and a high highest level of they're just different versions of you know the linux kernel and the core utils and different mixes and matches um we i suppose another i think i'll go on to that so you've got your kernel on top of that you've got your you know your core utils etc on top of that obviously we want graphics now linux doesn't deal with that and neither does the gnu stuff you know well gnu sorry does you know the core utils doesn't but there's other projects obviously to want to do with graphics and window managers and stuff like this and this is where you get things like kde and gnome and uh, so these provide you with the pretty, you know, we've got the windows and stuff. And oh, desktop don't, environments. Don't, don't forget the server that runs it all. And this is an old, yeah, ab- sorry, absolutely, yeah, because that was another thing, like when I remember reading was uh, they wanted to call it GNU, or is it GNU Linux X? Because obviously X system was, is the actual thing that runs all the graphics. The X rendering system. X yes. And it, that currently is still the most popular, isn't it? It is the. Well, it's the only one that people use now, you know. Have, until, you, have, um, you, have you ever played with any others? Uh, well, oh, my phone's running Wayland at the moment, but obviously that's that's still very new. It's there's uh, there's still work that's being done. You, there's got, a lot of work to do. There's a lot of lot of lot of work to do, isn't there? Although I must admit, working on my phone, it works flawlessly. But it's just for the fact of getting it onto desktops and stuff like that. It's because it, it, it's because it does things so differently from what X11 does now. Really, the API is completely different, then as well. Or oh yeah, really, there's no port then. Well, you can you can run X um, X11 programs on it if you must, which use was it X Wayland. Basically, it has um, running in the background an X server that will port it into Wayland. Oh wow, that is a lot of work <laughs> just yeah. to get just to get your system. So yes, yeah, so sorry, yes, yeah, so you've got you know kernel, core utils, etc., compiler, blah blah blah, uh, bash, you know, for shell scripts, you know, for like you've got your shell, you know, interpreter and stuff like that. Boom! Oh, yes. I then have my X being able to start playing around with some GUI stuff, and then on top of that, you have window managers. Now, what is a window manager, good sir? Well, as a window manager, well, it's the, in, like for instance when you got when you got when you boot into a Windows system, you've got your desktop and everything like that. Uh, that's it a really can. bad question. What uh, I suppose what the best question actually is a uh, better one is to ask what <laughs> is a window manager compared to a desktop environment? Ah, you see that you yes. see that quite a lot where you've got DEs and M, uh, WMs, and I'm like, what are these? Uh, window manager that does the basics. It just um, it it just gives you separate windows for different programs a desktop environment gives you the extras like starbar everything like that but it's still all encompassed with a actual window manager so, so everything so everything still has a window manager running it's just kind of like a uh, with thrills of for all the fruity bits and stuff is the de oh yeah pretty much so can, can you give it some examples of like a window managers and stuff that are quite popular now quite popular mm, well are you talking about? Are, are, you, are you talking about? How do I, how do I put it? Um, are you talking about just basic window managers, or are you talking about ones that are inter, in, interlocated with uh, desktop environments? Uh, how about ones that are just basic, basic window? If I just want a basic window manager, I want no frills of a DE. I don't even want any idea that there'll be a DE. What, what 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 would you recommend, or what would you think? You know, kind of what comes off the top of your head first? Oh, awesome. Awesome! Hell yeah, sir! Absolutely. I was gonna. I was. I was hoping. I was trying to. That's a tiling window manager. That is. That's oh yes. 
Uh, oh, don't look. We, we also need to go to um, go for the explanations of what's the difference between the tiling window manager and the other ones. TWM as well. T- I've never heard of that one. What is that? Comes it, um, that's the one that comes in built the, with the X windowing system. Ah, so they provide their own. So even they, the X window system, actually uses a window manager, even though it's quite a simple one out of the box. Yeah, it's um, how do you call it? It's called a reparenting window manager. Awesome. So, so now, go for go for an explanation of that. It's a window manager that adopts all other windows. So basically, how Windows does things. That's it. I think you know, I think that I suppose you've got Windows. You've got Windows on the you got Windows on the, you got that like, instance. You've got two Windows. You can cascade. You can tile it. Whatever, really. Yeah, because I think I think for listeners as well, like we are so used to now in the world of Windows, um, we think of it that way. Not Win. I mean, Windows is called Windows for a reason. Uh, but you know, like the window managers, uh, stuff like MacOS and stuff like that. You know, we all use these window managers, and that really is the idea. As, yeah. as you were saying, Paul, is that you know the idea that you're able to move around software programs that are actually you know contained in windows um you know windows environments um and you know i think that was that is a very good sell and it was a really good sell um you know for people um you know especially to coming into these gui environments and stuff because like you know there's a lot of ways i mean there wasn't just a reason why we all decided oh we all want to use window you know there's a lot of other options out there and this is where you get like i was we were talking about tiling window managers and the idea of that there is that instead of having windows that are free for all you know free for all you're able just to you know freely move them around as you will uh tiling ones is the idea of simple as tiles is that you're able then you've got this fixed finite amount of space but inside of that then it uses all of it and that's what i love about it on my laptop and stuff is it uses all of it you know so you've got your windows and you're able then to segment it up uh chop it into bits and stuff like uh almost and it'll, st- and it'll stay full screen that's it yeah. absolutely so it means stay can, full screen. Like for instance you can um, if you want uh, two windows open you've, you've got one open so it takes up the full screen if but if you if you want another one to the side of it you can literally Split it in half, absolutely. One application on one side, one application on the other, and no wasted space. That that's kind of it. And I suppose that's a funny because I suppose we now. I mean, obviously, I'll bring up Windows here. Hey, guess what? Windows Seven, you know, or Windows Vista. I don't know which one came in with it first. You know, you can drag, you know, your window to the side, uh, to the left or the right, and it will take up half the space. And you can drag the other window to the other that side. That came in at seven, actually. Came at seven, and you know, you can do that. So, in a sense, yeah, it is very similar. But there's a lot of uh, Chrome around this. The Chrome. We call it is you know the stuff like the cr- you know, closing, uh, maximize, minimize uh, buttons and stuff like that. I call it the call it the dress. You the know. dress. The dress. The of dress. It. I uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah, so the, the, the frilly knickers. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, 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 whatever you like to go for. It. Oh, dear. so yes. Yeah, so you've got your window managers. So that is what deals with that. And then on top of that. You then have this idea that we get the frills. We get, you know, this is this is the all singing, all dancing, and these are your desktop environments. And this is where Linux kind of makes it easier for, or Linux, GNU Linux, sorry, makes it easier for people to come into this game. You know, come in and and because they provide you with an environment that you're very similar with, like with Windows and like Mac OS X. Um, KDE, KDE is a perfect, it's absolutely one of the perfect example. Absolutely, because you know, and it's that. I mean, KDE is pretty much identical in its way of the start buttons at the bottom left. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's got a nice mix. It it, it does take. Um, it's got a nice mix of what Windows does and and some Mac OS X stuff. But I'll, I'll tell you, uh, uh, this is something I've read actually. You know the way Windows Seven pins one app to one side of the screen and pins another another app onto the other side of the screen. Yeah. By the by, 
Katie came out with that first. Really? Yeah. Ooh. And Katie, you can pin it into four. Pl- you can pin it. Ah, you can do the little. Tar- you can, the pin, four you can pin it into two. Yeah, you can pin it into ah, two. Cool. So one on the left, one on the right, or you can pin it into four. You can have two on the left, two on the right. Very cool. See, you're a big KDE fan, aren't you? I, yes. I, even in your voice now, I, I know it already from previous experience. But yeah, the listeners can definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of love for you with KDE. Oh yeah, it's it it's so easy to use, but you can do so much with it, which is so. so uh, other than KDE, which obviously you have your biases with, um, what other what other desktop environments are out there that people will see? You know, when they go into the exploration of Linux, uh, XFCE. Uh, that's one of them. There's also GNOME as well. Uh, there's now also that, there's an interesting one with GNOME, though, isn't there? There's GNOME two and two. GNOME three. Yes. Uh, what is that about? And I'm sure people will get really confused with that, where they have a normal looking uh, GNOME or normal looking desktop environment. To is the best way to is the best way to explain it. Think of GNOME two as Windows seven, GNOME three as Windows eight. <laughs> so good. And that, listeners, is the nugget you should take away from this episode. It's so true. So true. Although, oh, although I can't fault GNOME three as well because it's it's not that it bad. Isn't, like it I isn't. Mean... It is nice to use, especially since especially since it's now down to what is it, revision three ten now the usability is really nice but and you're going to see that when you use it get if you boot up an ubuntu distro you're going to see it no not with the, no because that doesn't use gnome 3 that uses its own implementation doesn't oh it? is it its own is it its own fork of gnome 3 or well it uses some of them it uses some of the it uses gnome 3 base but unity there we are unity so so unity, use and, unity. and as you'll see in the open source world uh this is one thing about it it's, it's a great world to live in and work in and you know kind of keep up with but it can get very very confusing with the amount of forks because obviously people go i want to do it a different way and they do a fork and then another one would do a fork another one would do a fork um you know so you're going to get these things and yeah so we're like you know just saying that i thought you know gnome 3 it was using gnome 3 kind of using gnome 3 a little bit but it's using its own fork called unity and uh, also you know the bone on the uh, left hand side that's kind of in cute is it really yes oh, it's kind of in cute see this is it so again like other things that you know so these small little bits of it but it, because it uses QML. QML. And what is QML? QML is the Qt meta language. It's a user interface markup language. It's JavaScript based. So they really language. are. They really are going down the Windows WinJS kind of route and WebOS. Let's just say I'll bring that up. My beautiful WebOS. I still need to see your. <laughs> you do, Palm Pre. Oh, long live the Palm Pre. Eh? long live the Palm Pre. And I. Cheers, HP. <laughs> Thank now, you. Now, now, since you sold it to LG, now we see it on smart TVs instead. I know. Bloody marvellous. Oh, dear, 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 dear. But, yes, yeah, so, um, yes, yeah, so I think that is kind of a good rundown of what uh, a GNU Linux system actually is. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, but to be honest with you, your best bet, really, and, and one of the things that Linux has strove for now is to make ease of installation and ease of use. Yes. And we were talking about it before, but Ubuntu is definitely the easiest setup you will ever have. Um, I don't, uh, there are a couple of... Uh, there is an uh, distro you... that, that, that I would recommend is OpenSUSE. OpenSUSE, because another one I say is Mint as well, which is very similar yes. to the Windows kind of. I, I know that a lot of people who are from the Windows world go, oh, "I'm going to try Mint because it's very similar and it kind of yeah. is a good gateway." But that, what about OpenSUSE? That um, that's KDE, or can you? Uh, that that can be um, that defaults to KDE, but obviously you can choose uh, what is it? You you can choose you can choose GNOME three, 
which is the Windows 8 of them all. The Windows 8, I love that, I love it. XFCE, which, um, what is it, Linux Mint and, well, Lin- Linux Mint's a way of, of um, how things look, basically, X- and XFCE, very similar, very easy to use. I do like XFCE. I think my personal recommendation for people wanting to come in, um, I, I recommend XFCE. Um, it's very much similar to, think of it as like the Win XP kind of thing, I kind of look at it as. Uh, if not probably a little bit less, maybe a Win 2K type thing, 2000 professional. Mm, uh, maybe. Looking kind of, you know, a nice simple. It's like known to. It's too, simple, but... it's quick, it's very usable, and, you know, it, 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 it just works. That's it. And I think yeah. another thing with our conversations is everyone has their biases, and everyone has what, you know, this is the way to do it. And I think it's one of those worlds where it's a really fun one to be in because it's almost like... I try work, I try and do like a metaphor for it. It's more like it's like decorating your house, you know, or decorating your room. You know, you can choose what you want. You know, it's like oh, you know, what do you want in here? You know, and you know, with the Windows world and with the Mac OS X world, you're kind of tied to what they give you, really. Um, you know, you install it, great. You know, it's like, oh, partition wise. You know, oh, I want these partitions, and you install it, and that's pretty much it. Uh, you can do stuff, cool stuff like Tiny XP, and you know, like revision, and you know, com- you know, do funky hacks with the registry and stuff. But oh yes, the world, yeah, absolutely. But the world of Linux and and Unix type systems and GNU Linux and you stuff. You don't need to do that. You, I mean, you can you, you can just easily get rid of um, certain services as long as uh, as long as. Um dependencies well that's uh, it and, and i mean it's it, it goes from you know the fact that you can you could have a system where you're all right so you could download an iso that i'm like you know what screw it i want ubuntu i want a dvd that's like almost a gig big and i want everything like and, windows and World. what makes it even better actually with um linux distributions you can run them as live cd that is one thing i was going to say because you can so you then, can literally just put it onto a usb drive or a cd drive boot it Use it, see how you like it, and if you if you're happy about it, you can install it on, on a later date. If not, fair enough, Joe, go try and find another one. See, that's a very cool thing. I mean, I when I first started out, that I don't think that was around doing live CDs. Um, uh, live CDs, Nopix. Do you remember that one? I don't know. Man, you've had, you've missed the you've missed the period of Nopix, the first proper live CD. Oh, dear. Wait, can you uh, give me a date range on that, or is it what Nopix? Nopix, because is that still around? Yeah. Ah, Nopix. I've never heard of that one. Again, this is where my kind of I come and go into this world, and that's when I ask Paul, like I say, what what, what you can't run, uh, you know, right. and that's a fun thing because you can kind of say, oh, what you're running at the moment, you know, and you may run a completely different distro, you may be playing around with certain things, and I'm sure later on in the episode we'll go on to what we kind of use at the moment. And, Install Gen 2. <laughs> exactly, exactly what I was going to say. Uh, we'll go into what we, you know, what we use, etc. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, you can go, and I think this is the world of distros and stuff, is that because of the kernel, because it's a simple, simple base that you can kind of mix and match what you want, and it's so flexible. Once you get to know more about Linux, you can start playing with it a bit Absolutely. more. You can try more exotic, more exotic distributions like Arch Linux, which I think you're running, aren't you? I am indeed. I will. Who got you into Arch Linux? You did, sir. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and this is it. I mean, and the nice thing about all these these distributions and stuff, obviously, is you've got the ones that say, "I want the gigabyte. I want the Windows world of it," or I just want something that can actually fit, like uh, DSL, you know, damn small Linux. I just want something to fit off a USB pen. 
and yeah. you know and uh, i mean legitly like in 120 megabyte or something stupid and you know it won't have the frills and spills of you know frills and everything of the windows world or but you know you're going to but it's still usable but it's still usable use. absolutely and it will use a completely different you know window manager it'll probably use something like BusyBox or something and uh, BusyBox is uh that is BusyBox is not a window manager oh what is BusyBox? i was i was always on the assumption that it's well, a window you know manager. bash yes it's an alternative to bash isn't it ah so it's kind of like a sh- it's an interpreter a shell interpreter then yeah it's a shell interpreter ah. it's, a, it's a different shell interpreter and it comes with its own set of core utils wow so, uh, is, is that all under the GUI is that under the GUI uh, GNU license or oh yeah it's, it's, it's basically a shrunken down uh, it's basically a shrunken down list of core utils oh, it's um, it's designed to fit into mobile phones you, you know something uh, you know something really small where it's you, when where your Nokia uh, N900 constraints. can go or N90 and you know, they can uh yeah, my N nine hundred had a busy box. Uh, the phone I've got now, the Yola, that comes with Bash. Ah, the full, the full Bash. You see, this is yeah, what it comes get, with Bash. Know. This is because because it, it's got enough horsepower. Well, that's it, enough horsepower, enough horsepower. Call, in it, you can call it enough up. horsepower. You know, it doesn't have the memory constraints. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of a rundown of really the world of you know how things are i think a lot of people kind of us i would be scared uh, you know like oh yeah go and use this free thing and it's like what is this and well, how does I, it kind of work and i would suggest if anybody brand new to uh, brand new to linux well any just go on i will recommend linux mint to be fair if you want something similar to how windows works download linux mint burn it onto a cd since you um and then just boot to the CD. That's it. And, 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 even and you can if, just if, and you can and you can just use it there and then. Just see it. how. And, and see if you're how more you lazy, if you're that, if you're even more lazy, you can just VM it. You know, you make a virtual machine and load it out that way if you're so inclined. And you if you want of, to, yeah, yeah, and you can. I think I think the, I think the key points are take your time with it. See how for um, um, check out all the options. That's what's like. What hurdles? So for a beginner. Um, I, I'm saying a beginner. I want to look. Screw it. I hate Windows. I hate Mac now. I want to go down the free Linux route. I want to help build this software. I want to make it awesome. My server. I mean, we, we, obviously, the podcast is directed at web developers, and one of the big things, the hurdles there for a developer is I'm maybe developing on a Mac OS X box or a Windows box, but then my server is obviously probably a Linux box or a, uh, you know a Nix derivative of something yeah. uh, like CentOS, like Ubuntu or something, because obviously it's cheaper and it's a much better fit for that you know domain um yes. you know so so we've got like kind of oh, i can go in the shell you know i can kind of terminal in but thank you thankfully i've still got my microsoft word or thankfully i've still got you know skype and you know all, all these you know spotify and stuff and twitter and i can still go on chrome etc so i suppose what things i say i'm a budding kind of i want to get into the wind uh, to the linux world i want to start off where will i go wrong and where will i have trouble well, since you're going to be doing web dev, you're going to be playing a lot of time, if not all the time, with the commands line. Which is great, obviously, if you're in the Unix world. And uh, yeah, obviously, world. when you when you first look at it, it's just like, oh god, what do I do? It's, it's a case of manual pages. The, uh, manual pages the, to me are what I. Uh, yeah, man pages. You yeah. just man but again, space. But, but then again, you need to know. You, but then again, you do need to know what to, uh, which are commands to use, and obviously, when you're going to the screen and you you don't know what to type in do you absolutely i think you know i, I think that and there's a lot of guides out there like I, I would say the the big the best the the most important command i could ever have 
well two actually sorry is pwd present working directory know where yeah. the hell you are and ls because then i know i can list a directory yeah, yeah. Uh, do, you know, do you know something i never use pwd didn't you what would you use because that because it always because it prints out the ah, work you where you are bash, on... you've got your prompt out with it and you can uh that's oh. another, all the customizations and actually it's a funny word this is another weird thing with web dev is a lot of people actually are very confident with the command line now with mac os x and stuff um but then they're not confident with say starting just using linux um you know kind of outright and say screw it i won't use linux all the time um and that's what i think the question i'd like to ask is what you know when i start using it is there any hurdles i'm going to go through other, other than like the command line stuff like software wise will, will, will i be able to use windows world uh microsoft word you know or will i be able to use skype will i be able to use or are there suitable alternatives that i can then take you know and use those instead with most things there are suitable alternatives and every skype they, they they've got linux um that they, they do have linux binaries some companies really are quite nice to Linux. Other companies are very much, yeah, screw oh. you. You're not, you're not our main, you know, kind of client. You know, you're not our main focus. And we'll, well give don't you an forget, old Skype is now owned by um, a certain micro dollar. So there's a couple of things that people will definitely want um, if they want to go into the, into the world. They want browsers. Now, can I still get my? Can I get my Internet Explorer? Can I get you my Opera? Can I'm I get afraid, my Chrome? I'm afraid you can't get an Internet. Exploder, the Exploder. Know. That is. That you is. can't get Opera, the newer ones. However, you can get yourself Mozilla Firefox. Sweet. Uh, Google Chrome, kinda. It's going to be known as Chromium in the repositories. Yeah, so you can get the open source. Open source, what can't you with Chrome? And then you can get the version. They do provide a version that you don't is do their that. own. So I still do. I know I'm really bad. Uh, I still do. What? Really? Why? I know. I just like. I like the signing in. I like the bookmarks and stuff. I know. I want to. You know. Google knows everything about me. And about. Do you know what you can do on Chromium? The exact same thing. Can you really? Can you sign in and everything with Google? I used. To, oh, that's what I used to do on my Chromium setup. On. Ah, oh, see, I didn't know. I thought I assumed it was just Google Chrome and all their funky stuff. No, 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 no. That that, that came. That, that, that's still implemented. The only the only thing that's not implemented in Chromium is the Adobe Flash Player. Nah, which, I do need to, which we do need to let listeners know. Yeah, um, and that's another thing we definitely need to talk about. limited to 11.2. They won't be making any more updates. But then again, who cares about Adobe Flash anyway? Well, it, unfortunately, it's still around, isn't it? That's the only problem with uh, it. So that's, that's HTML5. There you go. Um, I'm just saying. So, with Chrome, so, Chromium, so, so comparing Chromium to Google Chrome... Um, what are the differences? Uh, so, say, say if I, I, I'm a web dev um, and I want to come to a Linux platform and I'm looking at this, you it's know, got, I'm like, it's got a different, co- it's got a different coloured icon. Yeah, Chromium version. Um, uh, there's some inbuilt things. It doesn't come in. Like I say, Adobe Flash is one of them with the Pepper plugin. The second How one. How do you? Do, that's the thing with the Linux world. How do we deal with stuff like Flash and Shockwave and Air and all these plug and jo- well java etc what how do you how do you get around that and how 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 should listeners do java you can you can get from the repositories anyway and there's two different versions though isn't there there's there's the yeah, oracle there's, version and the open uh, open version ice tea yeah, yeah ice tea and um i recommend i ice tea like in the world of java and stuff ice tea is anything that's going to be uh made uh kind of experimental and stuff and you know pushed into the next version is updated into that ice tea version beforehand so yeah. i i recommend using that it's exactly the same if not a little bit better than the you know the standard oracle binaries 
Well, of course it's going to be better than the Oracle binaries because it's not owned by Oracle. There you go, absolutely. Because you remember the time where OpenOffice, um, oh dear, it's got owned by Oracle. Right, let's split. That's, right, that's let's... another thing I'd like to, like, so, so yeah, so, so you've got, so let, let's, let, let's run it down. So you've got Java installed, great. You've got Shockwave. Can we still get Shockwave? I don't know when the last time I actually I used d- it, but could does you get... anybody use Shockwave anymore? I don't I know. Don't so. I assume it, I assume it's an Adobe product now because it used to be Mac Meridia, didn't it? It was like uh... yeah, it's, oh no, you can you can still install it, but you won't use it. Flash. How am I going to deal with Flash, sir? Well, you are either limited to eleven point two if you get it from the distros, or you can install the binary Google Chrome. See, Cougar, so, so that, that's which a good has, thing. Which, 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 will have the, which will have the Pepper plugin built in. And they have, so, so that, that is one nice thing about Google Chrome is that they kind of said, look, we're going to provide our own Flash version and kind of fork it. They did fork it, didn't they? And they've got their own version. Or do they just run in sync and then they just do whatever they need to do to make it work for their own distro? Well, every time the browser's updated, if there's any if there's any updates to Adobe Flash, it'll update at the same time. Uh, so, so, so it is, it is still is, is it the, the same is, code base exactly, or is it kind of their own forked, modified version of it? No, it's, it's still the same code base. It's just the way it's interpreted into. Um, it's just the way it communicates in the web browser is different. See, now that's quite cool. That is quite cool. And finally, Air and uh, Adobe Air. Obviously, you can install it as well. Though, I think you probably get some binaries <laughs> yeah. for it, but you. But you're still going to be limited to 11.2. See, that is a very sucky thing. But oh dear. But yes, yeah, so it is possible to still, you know, use these things still, yeah. um, and it's stuff like VLC, you know, for videos and stuff, etc. Now, the one thing that people are going to have problems with if you do want to move or to Linux or play around with it is stuff like Photoshop. Um, now, I know there are nice alternatives, but there is no alternative to Photoshop. In yeah, whatever. Yeah, this whatever. Is the thing. Yeah, you know, then... it's just because they're too afraid to uh, to, to well, change. That's all it is. Yeah, well, it's the I mean, it's like let's talk about text editors. You know, I'm gonna, you know, we get into the Vim Emacs debate and stuff. So I can kind of understand. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'll forward image GNU Nano. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just I'll look... Nano in there and some G Edit. So, but then obviously people are very attached to Photoshop. Um, now. There's a couple of ways you can go about that. If you've got a high enough spec machine, you could do a virtual machine using something like VirtualBox. Or uh, you could also use the other option, which is going for Wine. Now, that's that's what I wanted to kind of move on to. So, what is Wine? Why should I care about it? And will it get me drunk? Wine is not an emulator. is its full name. It basically, it interprets uh, Windows commands into Linux commands, vice versa. So, basically, you're able to run when you're able to run Windows uh, binaries in Linux, or well, you can get in, you can get one installs for Linux, Mac OS, and BSD, and you're able, and you're able to run your um, Windows programs. See, now that sounds to me perfect. That sounds, hey, why would you ever want to then touch any Windows box again if compatibility I issues? See, now that's what I was going to say. Yeah, because yeah. so, you know, so I mean, there's I mean, there's a lot of work around uh, the the poor sorts I've got to do to get. I was thinking that working. it can't be that you know. I mean, this is just the magic pill, isn't it? Surely, you know, Linux all the way. If I need to use Office, I just have to install it using this. So there is problems. Then is there? It's quite touch and touch and go. Well, probably doesn't that as well because most well, don't get most programs that you install on Windows are proprietary, aren't they? Really, and the way they work is uh, they're undisclosed. You've got to reverse engineer how the how the game engine runs. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot of work on what. On, on to interpret but for 
basic applications, you know, things that people use very often, Photoshop for example, you can you, you can actually you can run it in one. See now that's very, very cool. Um, and I think yeah, so give that a try. And I think I, I see I kind of come down the developer route where my my need for Photoshop is very limited. Um, and if I'm on my say my laptop, I'll just fire up a VM with it. Although, to, although to be honest, I don't know what they're talking about Photoshop. Microsoft Paint's always done good for me. <laughs> oh god, that's for the pros, though. That pros is pro, mate. You know, pros you're, you're... use Paint. Pros, pros do use paint, and also you make squiggly lines and all that. Hell I mean, yeah. you do that in Photoshop know, with applications. Expressionist art. Yeah. Oh, oh and don't forget get the paint. Don't forget get out the paint can. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, so that kind of you know, so you're in there. You've got those things now. Office now. Where's my alternatives for Microsoft Office? Can I, I'm sure I can install it with Wine, but is there one that I can actually use on the system itself? If I remember rightly, I think you can definitely run up to Office 2003. I think they've got implementation. Well, I haven't, I haven't visited the website for a long time, but I think they're probably doing work with Office 2007 to get it to work. If you want derivatives, free open source derivatives, LibreOffice, which you can also run on Windows. And OpenOffice is one I hear a lot about. So what's no? The you want to go to LibreOffice? No, ignore OpenOffice. I know. Now, why, go why, to why, why would why would I want to ignore it? Is, is there a certain company that's there's it's a certain part of company, Oracle, yeah? isn't it? Absolutely. There's a certain company that we don't want to. Uh, I think I think that's one thing. So there was um, a lot of things, and you can I mean, again on all these all the you know the popular platforms. You know, OpenOffice was a big thing. Ever um, since ever, ever since they stopped um, stopped um, stopped the Open Solaris project, no one cares about them. You know, no, no one wants to have their name associated with Oracle. Oracle. Oh dear. MySQL still do, oh, but then you've got Marina DB, I suppose, now, haven't they? Yeah, even I'm running Marina DB. Yeah, I do too. Uh, they, they're the beautiful, completely sidetracked, but they've done a beautiful job of being able to say, like, "Look, we're compatible with MySQL, but we're going to make it better." I mean, that's just genius. That's compatible. Just like... I, feel, I, was, I swear it's. Um, I swear it's exactly bit for bit. Um, if, I think if, if you know what if you, if you know what I mean, you know, like commands, everything. Like oh yeah, that. oh yeah, compatible. Yeah, oh, well, sorry. What I mean is they've got. Was they, it ninety nine percent? It's they, pretty much they, they, what they say is look, you'll be able to chuck in your MySQL database, whatever you had before, but we're going to make it better because we're going to do other stuff as well. Technically, no, it's a swapping. Yep, that's it. Exactly, swapping. So yes, yeah, so so you've got so you had OpenOffice um, and that you know it was great and everything and pretty much is it, I, I like um, is it OpenOffice Writer I think is their you know thing for their, uh, their kind of the alternative for Word. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, obviously we normally t- you know text edits and stuff, Markdown, LaTeX and stuff like that. But you know sometimes you do need to open up a docx file or something, and you can you could. You, open you only it. use LaTeX if you're being super saucy. <laughs> you know so and you know you've got so you had open office but obviously with the sun then getting purchased by oracle um what happened was there was a couple you know quite a few problems as you were talking about with i Osiris. started crying of course you, everyone started crying the whole world just went up in tears and well, I, it probably might have been just me that started crying but you know <laughs> and then i'm the, not ashamed to that and then LibreOffice came out and so this is the one that you want to use this is this is yeah a that's the that's it. That is literally the fork of OpenOffice, yeah. but you, you know it's not it, it's not associated with Oracle anyway whatsoever. It's um, if you if if you if you 
you're already using OpenOffice anyways, switching to LibreOffice it's, it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. It's the same as that MariaDB to my sequence yeah, swapping. Basically, it's, it's, it's basically a swap, so, yeah. I suppose that's another thing I'd like to talk about with them because we've gone completely skipped it. You know, we're installing stuff. So surely with uh, on the Linux box, we're just installing stuff and similar with Mac, Mac OS X, you know, we're installing stuff with uh, installers, you know, MSIs and don't, or something. And don't forget, this is supposed to be a web development podcast well, as well. So obviously you can have your lamp, um, you can have your lamp well, set. I mean, this is it. I mean, well, they're calling it's an interesting one because a lot of like so a lot of developers actually web developers and developers in general they they understand sshing in they understand you know those things because that's what they need to do to push stuff live but to actually use it as their main operating system is a whole different ball game um and obviously dealing with like servers and stuff you're very much kind of the base bare minimum you know you're not even use you're not using a desktop environment you're not using you know a, a window manager it's you pack- and the command line absolutely but there is one thing we all do use and that is our friend the package manager yes um, now in the mac os x world uh, people have used that uh, homebrew uh, it's kind of their kind of um <laughs> It's there. The idea was it, it was definitely taken from the world, you know, from the Linux world of look, package management, be able to install stuff simply. It was scripts, you know, automating installation and stuff. And there's one actually called uh, Cast as well, I think now, which is actually installing binaries as well, apps and stuff like Google Chrome, which is quite cool. And then in the Windows world, you've got stuff like I don't know if you've actually got an, uh, the same. You, you haven't got really. You a haven't. They still do MSIs and stuff like that, and that that you know. So you can, you know you, you what with OSX you mount a you know thing you install you know use their package uh, installation installer and stuff etc. Or you the just drag way, and the drop be, the app. I think the best way to describe a, um, a package manager, a package 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 manager. Excuse me. Let me get my teeth back in. <laughs> I've been having this problem all day. Believe me. Um, package manager. It's basic in. It's basically your port of call if you want to install anything. Every operating, um, every distro has a package manager of some sort. You do not have to go to on the internet. You do See, not now, have to download packages. Isn't that packages. just amazing? Isn't that just like the coolest thing? It's all thing? in one. It's all in. It's all in one place. It, I mean, it's the most simple thing. You think for something so complex, obviously you can go external and compile it from source if you want, or you know stuff like that. But one of the things that drew me to Linux, um, and one thing I thought was so cool when I first loaded up, I think mine was a. Uh, I think it was Ubuntu. Or was it open? No, open Susi. And I was like looking for the package. I was like, oh my god, I can install stuff. And like like we do now with the app stores and stuff, where we're like, oh look, we can just install stuff. Yeah, I swear, t- I swear they, I swear they got the ideas from package Absolutely. managers because they, because they've exactly got pretty the much same. the same use. Yeah, it's exactly the same, and it's just like a nice front end for it. And it's just like you know, like you've got the Windows Store, you've got you know, obviously your app stores, you've got everything. All of them have taken really from the power of a package manager and a package manager is just amazing and it's such a simple idea that obviously now all these other you know you know things are, are emulating and stuff but as you were saying paul like essentially it's your portal call for anything you want to install you go if you want to install something uh you go to your specified package manager in your distribution um ones that i'm familiar with are stuff like aptitudes um pac-man which is um that, that, that one comes with Arch Linux. Arch Linux, um, that's the specific one, isn't it? What other yes. ones are quite popular? Would oh, you say? Zipper. Zipper? What, 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 what uh, distros have Zipper? Uh, anything that's basic, that's RPM, uh, that uses RPM based packages. So that's OpenSUSE. Is that Yalt? Uh, Yalt's another one, isn't it? Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nice um, front end to Zipper, I think. And oh. they are great because, so what you do. And they'll pretty practically do the same thing you can install packages you can search for packages you can uninstall packages 
and they will deal with all the dependencies <laughs> and, and they'll yep. deal with all the prerequisites and anything you require it's like oh I want to load up uh, LibreOffice I'm sorry you need Java with that here's the prerequisite as well and it would download it and it would get it all from there you know from the sources available and stuff no, what's better, what's better about that? You install LibreOffice. We recommend you install Java, but you don't need to use it. You know, you don't need it, really. Who needs Java, anyway? Oh, dear. I don't mind the JVM. I don't mind the JVM. It's a beautiful piece of software. My memory does. My, my memory minds. I know. that. That Yeah. See, you, if you're like, oh, I'm a client, I want it. No, I want the developer to have the best time. I'm sorry. No, I'm joking. Well, oh, only, if you're, only if you're coding Java, of course, you know. If you don't, if you don't that's cool. Yeah, so, so pretty much that kind of is the rundown of... Um, and today you'll find, I mean, literally load up, as, as you know, Paul was saying, load up a, a, a live CD or just load up a virtual machine. Get VirtualBox open, or, you know. You probably which use that. Which is owned by Oracle. Which is owned by Oracle, but, you know. Let's um, give it that one for the, yeah. for the time being because <laughs> VirtualBox is probably one of the easiest you can use. Oh, it's awesome. And, it, and it's still relevant if and you want it. And it's free. Free, oh, free, yes. free. I thought it would be quite cool at the end of the podcast, um, and I'm sure this is going to take a little longer than a couple of minutes because uh, we've definitely we've got passion for our setups at the moment. Our sit-ups, our setups. Sorry, um, I'm just oh, wondering. You like, see the setups I'm doing. Like. <laughs> I'm just wondering uh, what, what you're currently running at the moment. Then, what, what, what's your situation? Your distro situation? Your setup situation? Well, at this moment in time, uh, what is it? My NAS, my NAS box, which is which is holding all my hard drives, that actually is running Ubuntu at the moment. Straight up, the uh, new long, uh, long LTS uh, fourteen point oh four in it. Fourteen point oh four, due down to oh, we've got to go for some technicalities here. Due down to the fact because of the um, Mesa version, it it comes with also the kernel um, version. It comes with I think it comes with about three thirteen, three fourteen, which I'm able to use my ATI graphics with open source drivers. Ah, and you're running the old good old XBMC on that. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, you got, got me into that. You've got me into that so bad. So you see, now you you saw the magic that can happen with XBMC. Uh, I I was like, oh, I don't want to run it, and then I literally got home that night, set up my laptop box. I was like, yeah, goodbye, you. See, now what do you install it on your Drobo? Or can't, or can't. I can't. I haven't got. Um, I think that there is another version of the Drobo which has got like apps and everything, and it's like a network version. Mine was. Just, it's this is why you build gen. your own, man. This I is know. Why you build well, your own. I like the Drobo. The Drobo is a beautiful device. It's a bit pricey, but it does it all for you, which it's, I know is lazy, but it's that so is nice. nice, man. I, I expect you to be a better man than this. <laughs> I know. You see. Yeah. But um, yes, yeah, so, 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 so your NAS is running good old uh, Ubuntu LTS. It's soon, it's soon going. To, it is soon going to go to Gen two because it's got because um, now in the in the metadata repositories it's got XBMC thirteen now. Gen two. Um, well, actually, sorry. Before we go on that, so, so then you've got your laptop. What are you running on your laptop at the moment? Windows seven. When? Well, what? 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 <laughs> d- but d- straight up Windows. Why are you running Windows seven straight up? Um, basically, I couldn't be bothered to fiddle around with the with MTP on Linux. I got lazy, man. I got lazy. That's Listeners, I'm very sorry. This podcast has turned a to a horrible yeah. event. Um, yeah, shocking I, news. I, oh, I just, I just, I just wanted to use my brand, uh, my, my mobile phone, and not faff around with MTP settings. So well, far. That's, I think listeners, that's what I get for installing Gentoo, man. Well, this is the thing with your uh, phone, though. So obviously, you're running like a what you what you rocking an iPhone, an Android device. I'm running a Yola. A Yola. Now, what is a Yola? You see, now this is this is news to the listeners. No, not a Yolo, but a Yola. A Yola. Well, you remember that N nine hundred that I had? 
I am very familiar with that. And for, for the listeners, so what, what, what was so good about the N900? It was uh, a tablet in your hands which could be able to do phone calls. And what could you do on it? You could do anything. It you had a QWERTY e- keyboard. It was beautiful. And not only that, you could also you could also achieve it into a full Linux distribution, uh, full Linux Debian distribution, and yeah. I never forget when you got the interpreter up and you were just going, "Oh, you want to load up Python?" The interpreter, you know, and I was like, "Boom!" And you got Python two point six or something. I was like, "Oh my god!" This phone you've got now, then. So, what is so good about it, and why should people buy it? It's basically the continuation of the all the all the hard work that's gone into Mimo, then to Migo. It's a gorgeous operating system it's fluid it's usable it this phone can also run android and it's also got an you can also run android apps as well if because you know at the end of the day it's a it's a new operating system it's a new phone i think think they've really done a very clever thing there haven't they they they've said look we look the, the app store is a very important part and why not take advantage of this huge android app store and of course and of course the runtime it, it doesn't come included with google play but you can install it See, that, there is that's such a there. geeky awesome thing uh, but, I, but the fact of the matter is you don't have to be tied into google to use android applications that's it. you use the phone you hey, just have you, the apks is there is there a package manager type thing for it or is it very much you can you can download a, you know, a few app stores for it but you can also sideload applications as well yeah sideloading is basically downloading the apk files to install the and install the programs very cool so you just have ultimate free advantage no routing no none of that crap you have to do no, no need to root you know awesome. you can use it as you want for the listeners what is gen 2 it is basically an operating system where you can compile all of your programs and optimize optimize it with your um with your with gcc compiling certain features that you want so you can have it running um, compiled to your native um, CPU. So you're going to get all the goodies from that. You know, that's it. You know, because that's the thing. Optimization with, flags. I'd like to talk like because now I kind of think okay, that's cool with those apps, but surely you're not compiling the kernel from source, are you? Or yes, really? So, so you compiling so, everything. So everything from source, and then yeah, you have well, full admittedly, flexibility. Admittedly, there is a, a few a, a few things that is, pre there, which is pre-installed, um, which is offered by the Stage Three table. So that's what's like. Can you like, can you just go through for this? Is just for me. Like how how does that work then? So do you boot off like a live CD at first? Or? Yeah, you boot, you boot off a live you boot off a live CD. They recommend System Rescue CD, and then you ch- um, download the Stage Three table, which has all the essentials like Bash and Core Utils, things like that. Anything. That needs to get a Linux system pretty much running when Chi rooted. Yeah, it'll, it, it'll install that. Then once you Chi root into the Chi root into the partition. Oh yeah, you also do have to do all of your partitioning, all your formatting yourself. But yeah, it's just a very hands-on approach. But it's a very awesome approach because it definitely teaches you um, really kind of how a system is built up and the, the, yeah. the magic, you know, because. I think a lot and of people, and obviously, and, and and at the end of the day, it takes out all the uh, takes out the really hard bits. Like uh, you, you don't need to you don't need to download the actual source code, um, the source code, unzip it. Yeah, because that's what I was going. Oh, so compile, how, how does it go about? So make, has it? it you, you, I remember you saying something a meta like package manager. So is that kind of what that means? Is like it will it kind of it almost is a higher level where it's not got pre-compiled bins that you're already copying across. It's well, actually just got the bits where you need. 
the quartz collections. Basically, that's um, that's the section where you can, because this is this is what um, the package money for Gentoo Portage is based on. It's is refer. You can refer to it as a meta distribution because because it's literally it's, it is operate it is operating system independent. That's pretty cool. So that because it's so because that allows you then obviously to be able to compile as and when you need to. Basically, the um, what is called a meta distribution because when you when you sync up, it downloads what a little file is called eBuilds, which gives the which gives the package manager instructions on where to um where to download the source codes where to um and once it's unzipped um what to, um what options you've got with it so it means you can select by use flags like i was say, like i was saying earlier you want to compile you want to get you want to compile LibreOffice without java you can you can select it by going minus j uh, jvm or, or minus java but it, it allows you that it allows you to compile it for that architecture. But then also, it of course, then allows you to you know specify things and flags that you need or want you know for that build. See, that's yeah. very cool. I, so I am very you... much interested in kind of trying that out. I'm not going to lie. Arch is. I'll just recommend it if you know the ba- if you know your basics. Yeah, that's you, what I will it, say it's it's kind of like the gateway drug into. Wait, you see, they're all gateway drugs because <laughs> you know you've got a gateway drug into Linux, and then you've got a gateway drug into. You know, kind of like, oh, I want to do things really customizing. Yeah, and then you want to, you want to, you 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 want to have hands-on approach. That's then. it. And because what got me into Genesis was Arch Linux. It is. It's such a good because so what Arch Linux is for the users is it's you build up the system. There's a, the the documentation is amazing for it as well, and you can build yeah. up the system and you build it up from the core. You know, you build up. You you know, you load the live CD. You know, you install the base, you C root into actually your C drive, you install the stuff you need, etc., and you're doing stuff like that. It's pretty much drive. right. Is it, is it, that's how that's how is actually. Um, is it really? Is it that same thing? Pretty much, yeah. Because you, um, apart from the fact that you need to compile it, but you've got that extra step. You've got that extra configurability. Whereas, um, was it with Arch Linux? You, you download packages, but they got their They're set free. dependencies, yeah. uh, and that that's it. So, um, you with Arch Linux, so you, is it's a rolling release? Um, I think that's a say, similar with Gentoo, isn't it? Where same so, as Gentoo, yeah, yeah rolling so release. You're going to find with like Ubuntu and uh, releases like that that you're going to have ones that we, we were talking about. Earlier, you'll have version which, numbers, yeah, you'll have and version you'll have LTSs, numbers. you know, long term releases and stuff like long term support. And this is like kind of this is a snapshot. We're saying, look, we're going to support this version as we've talking about now, fourteen dot oh four, four years or three years, whatever they're going to say um, with like, our releases now you know with like gen 2 and with arch is it updates and it updates everything as and when you know yeah. obviously as software happens you know you update things similar to your you know your dependency managers and your package managers with um you know software like Compose it will yourself. always be current that is it sure. will always be current and it's very cool because you get the latest and greatest you know like a lot of web developers and stuff so you know we're setting up we've got a package manager we uh, install apache 2 well, well, we install Apache, we store LAMP stack, you know, and we've got PHP. And we find out PHP, we only get with sent OS, we only get uh, PHP 5.3. Yeah, I think I think Debian gets 5.4, that's what, that's uh, what I was rocking. Uh, uh, and you're like, well, hang on a minute, why is that? Surely the latest, and we know the latest is 5.5. Now, okay, you know, uh, why why do uh, we only get 5.3? Is there a reason for that? Is is The is reason for it is is because they want to hold back because they want... They, they're, they're first and foremost, they want stability. You don't want to change the... Like, for instance, you're making a broth. You don't want to change the ingredients. You much. don't want to you break know, something. Tr- break tried something. and tested. Use, use, um, 
if you want to get the latest and greatest stuff, you can always add user repositories. See, now that's what I want to talk about because so um, I I use CentOS and I could compile from source and I have compiled from source, uh, you know, PHP and stuff. And but I've gone, I, I found, you know what? There's a guy named Remy um, and he's, you know, he he releases these things and these are user repositories. So yeah. are they similar to what we were talking about with Arch user repositories that they just people have just, you know, like hey, these aren't official, but they are official for you know. The, this is they, what you're using. Uh, Debian, Debian web server. Uh, that use that I've got dot um, deb on there. The user repository for dot deb. Yep. Awesome. So, see, so, uh, what about your uh, website? Is your website alive at the moment, or is our it... website is live after um, with, with thankful help? And it's pbowden.info or pbowden.me. Which one is it's it? It's me me and I recommend it. There's a couple of really good. There's a couple of blog posts. Like any any blog post you want to mention, like in the book, like anyone that could be interesting for. <laughs> people to check out well i've still only got three on there so far they're all very interesting reads but i'd like to um but i would say um have have a check out of blog post number two linux and introduction see now that would be very cool for this podcast so yeah absolutely and um okay on the website i do recommend to download ubuntu but i'll also i will recommend linux mint as well oh, no yeah i think they're very much similar aren't they get yourself a nice live cd distribution i would recommend ubuntu or linux mint you know those two are really easy to get to really easy to get used to have yourself um sit sit yourself down and use it for um and use it for a few hours then don't force yourself into oh i can't use this how do i find it just sit down make yourself some time if you need to find anything you can always go go on the search engines you know those are, those are probably the main things. I think they're great, man. I think that's Take your time. Just search have fun. up. Have fun. And have fun, yeah. Yeah, break stuff. Like, honestly, break, it doesn't matter. It's free. If, it's yeah, free. and plus, if you do break stuff, it's a live CD. So what we have to do is just... Um, reboot? A re- 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 reboot cycle. Uh, go back Absolutely. into the live CD. It's back to... Call it factory settings, you know. That's, hopefully, the listeners now they will uh, be interested in maybe getting a little Linux action in their life, other than just on their servers. Well, listeners, thank you very much for this one-off special episode, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. And goodbye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at three devs and a maybe dot com, or follow us on Twitter at the number three devs and a maybe.